So revenue today is ongoing. So for us, our focus is actually driving more sales in our pipeline. I would say I'm going to be slightly cautious about saying the revenue today, but I'm certainly happy to have a conversation with anyone who might be interested further. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Tanavi Ethanandan. She's the co-founder and CEO of Data Duopoly, a chartered accountant from Ernst & Young and a Cambridge University graduate in economics. She takes the lead on the financial and business strategy at the business. They are focused on incentivizing visitors to explore. Tanavi, you ready to take us to the top? Yes. <laughs> okay. What kind of visitors? Is this for B2B SaaS companies to get the visitors or in-person places to get visitors? Who are you focused on? We're focusing on any venue worldwide. We primarily work with visitor attractions like theme parks, museums, and venues. Um, so we worked with the absolutely fantastic Eden Project here in the UK, which receives over 1 million visitors for a pilot test. And we've now recently launched the National Trust Cornish Tin Coast Partnership, which covers three World Heritage mining sites, which is absolutely fantastic to be involved with such an exciting project and directing visitors to the least busy areas. Interesting. So how did you get this idea? Were you working at one of these parks or doing financial analysis on one of them or what? Actually, the idea came about because me and my co-founder were so tired of getting stuck in queues. Everyone's been there. They've had an exciting day out. They go to the visitor center and see the sign turn left. You end up following the same set of people around the whole site when actually there's loads of space around the site, but you just didn't know. So we thought, how could we incorporate digital to make the physical experience so much better? Interesting. And who's paying you? Is it the amusement park or the historical national monument directly? Yeah. So we charge the venues directly on a SaaS contract. What do they pay on average per month? Um, so really it depends on the size of the venue. Um, so we're looking at around 30,000 pounds for medium-sized venue to even higher depending on the scale. And we're also looking to you work with university campuses. Okay. When you say 30,000 pounds or about $37,000 USD, is that monthly or annually? That would be annually. Annually. Okay. And when you say the size of the campus, measured by what? Acres or people or what? Really, it's the number of visitors. So we would normally work with clients that have around more than 250,000 visitors um, visiting every year. Okay. Interesting. When did you write the first line of code for the platform? So myself, I'm not a technical co-founder. So we actually used contractors. So it was actually when we did our MVP. So that was probably really early on. And it was a really ugly manual prototype, as many are. You test it out. You try and get out the kinks. And when it's launched to market, it looked a lot better when we had our in-house development team. When was that, though? When did you get started on the code? Um, so for us, really early on, back in about sort of early 2019. 2019. Okay, very cool. So tell me about your first customer. Which, Who was it and how did you land them? 
So really, with the National Trust Tincos, they were our first paying client. And we actually had conversations with the project manager early on, and they were really excited what we do. Then COVID hit and really the whole world went into lockdown and people couldn't explore at all. So the world was in desperate need of a chance to go out and explore, but actually understand where the busy areas are and make informed decisions of where to go next. Say that one more time. Your first customer was who? The National Trust Cornish Tin Coast Partnership. What is that? Is that a national site? Yes, it's actually a collection of three World Heritage Mining sites based down in Cornwall, Giva, Levant, and Botalic. And what it allows people to do is sort of explore the rich heritage of the coastline, seeing how the mining took place. And we direct them around, seeing what the really exciting bits are in the area. Very interesting. Okay, so that was your first customer. How many customers are you serving now today? So at the moment, we're working with them. We've got a really strong sales pipeline. So we're also working with a local company to develop gamified trails. We're also working with university campuses, which is really exciting. So Falmouth University, our first sort of pilot site, and we're using our same technology to help students and staff navigate around a campus. So I love pilots. I understand the need to do that to drive paying customers. National Trust Partnership was your first customer paying. How many are paying you though today? At the moment, those are our only ones, and we've got a strong... So two or three? So three at the moment. Okay, got it. Three. So this is great. So how did you guys survive COVID? I mean, that's a, you have to deal with cutting expenses. I mean, that's a big deal. So we were actually really early on. So we only incorporated in October 2019. So we were a team of two, myself and my co-founder, Erin Morris. So we kept ourselves really lean. We bootstrapped the company. We sort of took trains, um, slept in very dubious Airbnbs when we went to trade shows in London, the works. But really, we then managed to secure our first seed round of a quarter of a million pounds. And that's when it changed. And we did that during COVID. And the real reason for that was we secured our first paying client during then. But actually, more importantly, there was actually a big need. People suddenly realized they need to understand where their visitors are on site. Knowing that they've just sold a million tickets for a day isn't enough. They need to know actually where are people on site. And that's where we can really help. So we managed to get backing from the European Space Agency for our seed round. Also another organization in aerospace and some fantastic angel investors. And that enabled us to grow our team from two to six and very shortly becoming seven, which really has ramped up our sales pipeline and our sort of development capabilities, which has been hugely exciting. How much equity did you have to sell to raise the $275,000? Yeah. So for us, we had to give about 10% equity away. But I would like to say we came from an incubator beforehand. So they had a stake in the business at the very starting point. I see. So the pre-seed folks took about 10%. How much did the incubator take? So they took a lot more. Um, it was 24.9% at the beginning. Okay. And who was that incubator? So that's actually Launchpad. And they're based down in Cornwall. And really, they were the people that brought Erin and myself together. So they took us as individuals with no business idea. And they gave us a year and funded us for a master's in entrepreneurship and said, can you start up a business? How much uh, capital did they give you, if any? So they didn't give us capital per se, but they gave support and expertise. Um, but really, it was down to Erin and myself to do the hard work. And that's where we've got to today. So Tanavi, uh, you and Erin own 65% today and the incubator has 25 yeah, about, and the pre-seed is 10? Exactly. About 66% between Erin and myself. 
Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. You're growing today. The team is six people. Um, how are you thinking about burn? I mean, uh, can you self-fund off customer revenue yet? So at the moment for us, actually, we are using our seed money. But for us, we're quite lean. We don't pay for office space. We've sort of adapted to that hybrid working. We've got some free office space at the moment in Cornwall, which is fantastic. It means we can meet once a week. But actually, we work with a developer in the Philippines, which keeps our costs really low. And he's absolutely fantastic, an integral part of the team. How'd you but find we- him? Amazing. And I think COVID taught us that we can well, actually... But how did, you fi- how did you find him? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant how we find him with how it goes. How we found him was we were advertising the role. He applied and we went through an interview process. We Where did you worked- advertise though? Um, on LinkedIn, on AngelList, um, the usual sort of hotspots, but it actually came through a direct connection. Very interesting. So he's developing. Can I ask what you pay him per month? Um, yeah, you can do. Um, so for us, we sort of do a sort of about um, £2,000 a month. Um, but that is for specific project costs. I see. Interesting. Okay, so six people now today. Um, what do the six people do? So we have a variety. So myself, I take sort of the business and financial side of things. My co-founder is an award-winning film director. So she actually takes the lead on the product design and the UI and UX. We have a sort of lead developer based in the Philippines, which is fantastic, a full stack developer. We also have two on the ground developers at the moment um, here in Cornwall, one sort of a mid-level developer sort of taking charge on the back end side of things. And then we also have more on the app side, front end development, a junior developer. And we have a sales and marketing lead. And the new team member hopefully joining us later this month is a junior marketing assistant willing to ramp up that sales cycle. So, So how much are you guys burning per month right now? So at the moment, it's not too bad. We sort of have about a runway in the bank account, probably for around another eight to nine months, actually. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good. So what's the plan then? Do you think you have enough customers to be profitable or are you going to go raise again? So I think profitable with startups, that's not the aim. The aim is to get that customer base and get that recurring revenue up. So for us at the moment, it's really pushing on that sale. So we're going to as many trade shows as possible. So we went to the Visitor Attractions Conference down in London. We're going to the Family Attractions Expo in Birmingham. We're actually going to Leisure Up in France as well, a key retail and leisure industry trade show, really to get our name out there. Now that COVID you know, is allowing travel restrictions to slightly be lifted, that's really important for us to get our name out there. Um, but for us, really, we are going to be looking to do an avocado round um, that's sort of EIS funded here in the UK, um, which means sort of the enterprise enterprise relief fund, um, which is sort of quite beneficial to invest in startups. And, and what's revenue today? 
So revenue today is ongoing. So for us, our focus is actually driving more sales in our pipeline. I would say I'm going to be slightly cautious about saying the revenue today, but I'm certainly happy to have a conversation with anyone who might be interested further. You mentioned $3,000 average per month, right? And you said you have three paying customers today. Can we multiply those together? You're doing about nine, $10,000 a month in revenue? Potentially, but really for us, it's you know actually driving that future um, sales pipeline and actually obtaining the data because I think the data insights are really powerful for us. Well, yeah, I mean every startup wants to get more sales, so the statement isn't helpful. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of how you've how you've executed so far. So, I mean, are all three of those customers actually paying customers, or are some of them still on a pilot? So they're all paying customers. Which they are okay. That's great. Well, congratulations. That's a big step to go from nothing to three paying, especially in your space during COVID. So nice work there. That's fantastic. Thank you. How do you get your next 100 customers? Is it going to trade shows? Is it ads? Something else? Yes. And I think that's a challenge for everyone. But for us, we are actually talking to as many people as possible and using our existing clients as case studies. And I think that's really powerful to see the value we can give to them. So actually showcasing that if we can understand visitors' dwell time and actually say, did you know that if you know that the visitor is spending more time here, they can actually increase the concession we spend on site? That's really powerful. And using incentives to drive them away from the busy areas. So what's quite unique, it's very easy to sort of say, okay, great, there's a big crowd congregating in this area, but what can I do about it? If we can say we can connect to a few visitors and say, do you want to get a half price coffee at the quiet cafe over there? Or equally, if you're at a zoo that the penguin talk at 3 p.m. is really busy, but 5 p.m. is looking quite quiet. So why don't you get a half price ice cream right now? That's really powerful and can drive an increase in sales. So I think that's really where one of our USPs are. What's the average visitor to the National Trust Partnership mining sites spend per day or per visit on concessions? Um, so for at the moment, it's been quite a quiet time um, because now it's winter. And as you can imagine, it's quite rainy and windy. So we don't actually know how much necessarily they spend, but we can definitely see how much football we're changing. Does that mean that they churn during slow times when they're closed? Sorry, could you repeat the question? Does that mean they cancel, they stop paying you during slow times when they're closed? No, we charge on a 12-month base contract. So it means it doesn't matter how many visitors are using it. We want to encourage as many people as possible to keep using the platform. Yeah, but if someone's paying you for 250,000 visits a year, but COVID or rain or storms or hurricanes or snow, whatever, only means they have 5,000 years for you, they're going to feel like they're paying you for something they're not getting. So how do you manage churn? Um, oh, no. So we really sort of operate in saying, actually, this is your upfront, sort of your 12-month licensee contract based on your expected number of visitors. So really what we can give is your data insights into the visitors that are coming. We purposely didn't want to say, we're going to charge you per visitor because there's an incentive for the venue to say, actually, we don't want everyone to download the app. So there's not going to be that sort of self-promotion to get the most out of the data obtained. That makes total sense uh, to This makes uh, I'm excited to see what you guys do for the next year. In the meantime, though, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? My favorite business book? Oh my gosh, this is quite a hard one. There's just so many. Wouldn't say it's an orthodox one, but Nudge by Thal and Sunstein is one of my core principles because it's all about behavioral science. And that's what I love. Number two, is there a founder you're following or studying? Yes. I think Nick Telson is amazing. Design my night. I think it's such an amazing story. And I think for us, you know, just learning more about that has been great. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building data duopoly? 
favorite online tool by far. I've really found that two things, Marvel, as non-technical co-founders, prototyping has been so useful. And Trello, I mean, everyone uses it just to help organizing the team. Tanami, what's your situation? How many hours of sleep do you get every night? Not too many, but I love what I do. And I couldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I do unless I love it. What do you average though? How many? Hours of sleep, probably pretty good. Definitely eight to nine. <laughs> eight to nine. Okay. And what's your situation? Married, single kids? I'm a single um, graduate and doing, loving my business. <laughs> okay. Not, not married, no kiddos. Do you mind me asking how old you are? Yeah, I'm 27 years old. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? To have the confidence, just do it, do it and don't necessarily go for a graduate role. Guys, she joined an accelerator back in 2019 who helped her founder, co-founder, Aaron. They own 65% today and the incubator owns 25%. And they raised a seed round selling 10% of the business as they scale data duopoly, an easy way for historical sites or physical attractions like amusement parks to understand where visitors are spending time, how to increase concession venue, and how to drive foot traffic to less popular but very valuable areas. They have three paying customers today looking to scale with their team of six over the next 12 months. Tanavi, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you very much.